Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Logan Lerman on his comfort movie, Hook. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, the new version of Happy, Sad, Confused in the strange new world uh, where we are celebrating comfort movies. Um, yeah, Evan Rachel Wood uh, waxed rhapsodic last week with us about Clue, uh, a comfort movie I know for many of you. And this week we've got Logan Worman, an old buddy of mine, a, uh, a guest of Happy, Sad, Confused, and a returning guest now, um, talking about a film that's near and dear to his heart, um, and near, near and dear to, I think, many people's hearts. Um, I, I, I certainly have a lot of affection for Steven Spielberg's um, sequel of sorts to the Peter Pan legend Hook, uh, a classic early 90s Robin Williams, uh, Dustin Hoffman film um, that uh, maybe has some critics, maybe critics at the time thought it was a little overwrought, overblown, and yes, I agree to a certain extent, but there are so many charms to Hook um, that I'm glad that Logan chose this as the movie that he wanted to dive deep into. Um, so yeah, this has been a new fun uh, exploration for Happy Second Views. As you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast over the years, I've always loved to kind of dig deep into the nerdy films that we all grew up with, the, the films that we connect on, uh, but particularly in these times when I think we're all looking for distractions, ways to just sort of like make us feel at ease in a in a really scary time. Um, I know I'm appreciative if I can find something that makes me forget about the world at large for 10, 20, 30, or even two hours at a time. And certainly a film like like Hook hopefully is that for many people. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Logan. Needless to say, this is a conversation that was done virtually um, over the phone um, as we're going to be doing this uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I think it actually sounds pretty good. By by happy sake, confused um, uh, shitty audio standards, I think these are sounding actually pretty good. I'm pretty pleased so far. So I hope you guys are enjoying these kind of new conversations. Um, I asked you guys to send me some of your comfort movies Again, remember to always just use the hashtag MyComfortMovie. Uh, let me read a few out. Give uh, some shouts out to some of the folks that uh, follow me on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz, and hopefully listen to Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, Amy, Amy Valhalla says, uh, Lou, uh, Inside Lou and Davis. Love that one. That's kind of a dark movie, but I mean, I, you know, all the Coen, Brother movie, Coen Brothers movies are, are comfort movies for me. Um, Brain Puckett. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing your uh, name correctly. I'm sure I'm not. Uh, says Harry Potter all day marathon. It's like chicken soup in movie form. I think you're echoing what a lot of people um, have to say about that. Uh, my old buddy Austin Lyon, former uh, collaborator on Junketeers on Comedy Central, says Along Came Polly. Very funny movie. Um, what else we got here? Lorraine. Lorraine. Oh, God, another name I'm going to butcher. Lorraine Huertzbees. I don't know. Uh, but you, uh, you um, name check via a photo from Trading Places. I'm with you there. And uh, finally, let's go. Actually, let's do two more. Uh, Taylor Mardson says, honestly, The Godfather. Always. Always. I get sucked into all The Godfather films. Always. And Peachy Pattinson says, The Parent Trap. 
Um, so there you go. Some good comfort movies from you guys. Thank you for contributing. As always, please hit me up on Twitter, social media, on uh, Instagram. Use the hashtag uh, MyComfortMovie, hashtag Happy Sad Confused, and let me know what you guys love out there. Um, beyond Happy Sad Confused, I do want to mention one other exciting project that I've uh, started doing for Comedy Central. You guys, if you listen to me, you know I do a lot for Comedy Central and MTV. Um, we started a new series for Comedy Central called Stir Crazy that I'm extremely proud of. This came together um, obviously pretty quickly in the wake of uh, the coronavirus and sort of figuring out how we can still entertain folks and still talk to folks. We came up with... Um, this virtual talk show where I'm talking to, um, so far, mostly people I know pretty well um, in the comfort of their home, in the comfort of my home, and we're connecting about what they're up to. We're playing some silly games like charades and I Spy, and uh, it's been a blast to do. It's just, it's it's really fun to sort of reconnect with people and still have some fun and still talk about things in a funny way, and, and hopefully um, you guys are finding an escape in it as well. So we debuted our first episode um, last week with Will Arnett, the amazing Will Arnett. Um, by the time you listen to this, the new episode with Dan Levy should be up, of course, of Schitt's Creek fame. Um, love Schitt's Creek. That's been my most recent binge, actually. Yes, I was super late to the party, guys, but I finally watched all of Schitt's Creek. Uh, the episode with Dan Levy is fantastic. We've got episodes we've already uh, shot with folks like Josh Hutcherson and Ed Helms. We've got Ricky Gervais, Aubrey Plaza, Alexandra Daddario. Um, there are a ton of people coming up. So we're going to be publishing these every Tuesday and Thursday on Comedy Central's YouTube and Facebook pages. Um, I'll, of course, be tweeting these out and putting them up on my Instagram as well. But if you like what I do, I think you're going to appreciate what we're doing with Stir Crazy. Uh, again, I hope that it's a good distraction for you guys. It's certainly a good distraction for me. <laughs> so uh, let's get to the main event. This is my catch-up with the great Logan Lerman. Logan, you know, of course, from many films, Perks of Being a Wolf. Flower, the Percy Jackson films. Um, he has always been someone that I've connected with uh, on a on a real kind of film geek level. We always love talking movie when we get together. Movies when we get together. I hit him up, asked him what he wanted to talk about. He said, "Without a beat, Hook." Here's my conversation with Logan Orman on the one and only Hook. Well, uh, this is a different kind of happy set, Confused. Uh, we're not in the same room, sadly, but I'm very happy to be joined by my old buddy, Mr. Logan Lerman. Logan, how are you, bud? I'm, I'm hanging in there right now. How are you doing, man? We're all hanging in there, right? We're, uh, yeah. we're leaning on each other, and we're all in this surreal new world, and we're, we're looking for comfort wherever it is. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for having me, though, and, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about a movie that I love, and I know that you love, yeah. um, that at least uh, puts me in a pretty good place when I watch it. Just, uh, you know, comfort, comfort food. So first of all, let, let's get our definitions right. Like when I say com- something like a comfort movie, like what, is that, what does that mean to you? What, what does a good comfort movie need to satisfy for Logan? I think it needs to be nostalgic. Um, you know, something that, that, you know, takes you back to your childhood in a way, something that you've watched over the years. That's a go-to that you can never get sick of. Um, that just takes you to being, you know, in bed as a kid, uh, you know, enjoying like a sick day or a, or a weekend or something like that. So your choice um, is, 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 of course, Seven. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, um, no, Seven <laughs> was one of those movies for me, funny enough. Seven I mean, really I'm was se- one. 
it's funny you say that. Yeah, because I, I was, I've been saying that to other people when I've been talking about this kind of new angle on the podcast. Seven is weirdly kind of like, I, I, it, it, you know, there are different kinds of comfort, right? There's the comfort of just like a movie that hit it's you at satisfying. the right time. Yeah, it's and it's satisfying. satisfying. Yes, it's satisfying. Yes. It, it pleases. Uh, I mean, some people, I mean, everyone reacts differently to thriller, you know, thrillers and, and, and you know, horrific uh, scenes and movies and things like that. Uh, but I tend to get really excited and giddy and love every scare. So right, that, that's like not, a comfort that, film for me. Yeah, that's not what it. we're. That's not the fucked up thing we're talking about today. We're talking about <laughs> much sweeter, sweeter movie. Uh, let me uh, give you the the honors, uh, Logan. What's your comfort movie? And give us a little uh, synopsis. What's it about? Well, well, first of all, there's so many great comfort films. One that always comes to mind, or. Films that always come to mind for me are always uh, Robin Williams films and Steven Spielberg movies. And one in particular is Hook. Um, And Hook is a criminally uh, underrated film. Uh, It kills me because I was looking it up right now. And uh, I was checking out, like, you know, the details in the film, like, the past couple of days before talking about it on this podcast. And, uh, you know, it has, like, a 26% in Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Means that, yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of reviewers hated this movie. And um, I remember hearing from friends uh, over the years, uh, and I'm not going to dive into specifics, but I've heard that the movie's plagued with issues, that there were so many problems making it, and that it was just, I think, really hard for everyone involved. And uh, <laughs> I just love this movie so much. I just think it's a, a miracle that they made such a touching, uh, heartfelt, great you know, classic, uh, you know, film that I think stands, uh, you know, can or will continue to stand the test of time. I think it works really well. You bring up a funny issue, though, that, like, I'm sure you've experienced where um, it doesn't really matter what the experience was of making the movie, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I'm sure you've made movies that were tough and for whatever yeah, reason. For sure. and And that people, it, it works for people. And, and, and in a way, your experience on it is the least... Uh, important part of it the most important part is what came out and what it means to an audience and, and i'm glad that hook has that meaning for you um, yeah, i mean i mean it was funny re-watching it um you know the other day uh i i always have this memory of the film based off of the you know like i don't know the eight-year-old version of me watching this the 10-year-old version of me watching it and i i'm watching it again as an adult and i haven't seen it uh in a while um and I'm I'm just seeing all of the adult humor in it and loving uh, the the truth in it as well, you know, like in in terms of um, you know the the plight of of Peter Pan now or Robin right. Williams' character. Yeah, uh, you were you were relating to the kid. You were relating to Charlie Korsma when you were a kid, and now you're relating exactly. more to Peter. <laughs> yeah, I'm relating more to Peter, but I'm also just seeing that the that the reason why it's such a good movie and works so well is that it's so. Um, truthful and that the characters and what they want and and in terms of 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 their conflicts that they're all grounded in real human um you know issues that we can all relate to and and i was surprised that i was getting emotional watching uh, the movie uh like really emotional watching the movie like fake like you know pretty much crying uh, in certain parts where i was like wow this is like a really beautifully executed film and the critics were fucking wrong 
<laughs> critics know? often are. So yeah. I mean, it's for, I, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows uh, what the movie is. But basically, it has an amazing uh, – uh, I was going to say hook, and I can't bring myself to say that, but I just did. <laughs> um, essentially, it's What If Peter Pan Grew Up, uh, which apparently was – the screenwriter's name is James Hart. His son kind of posed that question, and – off to the races, this kind of this movie uh, came, and it's amazing to think about. It. So it, it came out in December of '91, and it had this amazing cast that, particularly at that time, were like they were all at the top of their game. Like Dustin Hoffman, as of course as Captain Hook, you have Robin Williams right in the sweet spot of all the classics that he was making. Bob Hoskins was coming off of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. Julia Roberts, like, I don't know, like, I look back at this, I was kind of, like, seeing, like, what she had just done. Like, this was Julia Roberts, like, right after Pretty Woman and, like, Sleeping with the Enemy. This was, like, this is, like, as if you cast, like, Jennifer Lawrence as Tinkerbell today. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of bizarre to think about. Um, So, okay, so I'm curious, though, like, tell me your history with the film. Because, like, I'm doing the math. This movie came out before you were born, technically, Logan. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I would watch this movie on VHS growing up, and um, I wore that one out. Uh, did anyone you know pretty bad? Oh, did anybody it, in particular like expose you to it, or was it just sort of like always there? It was just always there, and um, I, I mean, I remember having the video game too. Like, I just loved this movie so much. There was a Hook video game, I think, like on Sega. Or something like that. And I was just obsessed yeah. with this world and thought it was so much fun and so magical. And uh, even as an, you know, as an adult, it, makes you, it takes you back to that, that place when you're a kid. And you just, um, just fills me with joy. Like I love, there's this one scene in particular um, where they have like a big food fight with like imaginary food. Right. Uh, which is just so, uh, you know, brilliantly done but every time i watch it it takes me back to being like nine years old in bed you know watching you know the most um you know one another magical you know steven spielberg film um were you a spielberg kid were you did you like love all stuff growing up i love i love all of his movies i loved all of his films i mean they just connect with you in ways that others don't they're so charming and full of warmth and, and just hit your heart you know in a way that other movies don't um and it's just a beautifully executed film. Like everything about the film is just gorgeous. But I just, I, you know, I, I'm, I've talked with so many people about uh, this movie in the past and the issues that people have had with it. And I've always thought it was shocking that people had, I guess, or, or critics or audiences generally did not um, respond to uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman's performance. Oh, I think it's great. I mean, I, there, I do have issues, and I'm going to bring up some of my issues with the film, but that's not one of them. I think he, he's he's kind of he's chewing the scenery absolutely, but it works for that role. Um, yeah, I don't know if you I read this, it. but he, I, I just he, think he's brilliant. Yeah. He he apparently based like his voice on like the famous conservative commentator William F. Buckley. Um, I oh, love I all this. That. I love all the stuff between him and Hoskins as Smee. I think maybe like, oh, I think, so good. weirdly, like I think maybe my favorite like comedic scene in the film is like his kind of mock suicide scene where he's oh, I like love that yeah i thought that was great <laughs> and something that i never like it it never registered with me as a kid so when i watch it now uh, or if i've seen it after it's probably been like a few years whatever it's been and i forgot about that scene but it's just so adult and and serious and but uh it resonates with me differently now than it did when i was a kid but that seems sure. hilarious it's it also so has it also has um 
I mean, I, I will say, you know, I mentioned Charlie Corsmo before, and I don't know, if, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious about your perspective, because, you know, obviously, growing up in the business and being a child actor, um, if you kind of, like, look for certain things in child performances, but I think Charlie Corsmo is awesome in this film. Oh, he's brilliant. Um, I mean, I mean, Spielberg just has a way of, of capturing uh, young, young actors yeah. um, just so well, and, and just bringing out um, these, like, natural these really natural performances and like really uh, charming children. Uh, but he was so good. He was so yeah. good in this. Um, he, but, but just again, like it just hits, it hits my heart. Like it really feels honest. And I think that um, the performances are a big part of that. Um, and the kids just did a great job. They're just so I good do, in this movie. I do think, I think you're hitting upon like maybe like, a lot of times very earnest films don't work for critics. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and this is I a very so. hard on its sleeve, earnest movie. I mean, the, the, it's, it's like a classic, I don't know if about you. I love the John Williams score. It's just like a soaring classic John Williams score. I like, and, more, I like most of John Williams score. In, um, yeah. You know, in the movie, most oh, of it really? is great. There's just that. Like, I, first of all, I think that the first act of this movie is perfect. It is such a great setup for the story. It is so expertly done and mature, um, and but but also still like a kid's film. It's just great. But the jazz music score at the beginning, like the first act of the movie, does not mm-hmm. match oh, work the tone for you. of the film. Okay. I mean, well, I just think it didn't match the tone of the film. Like, I love it. I appreciate it for what it is. I I've accepted it. Uh, as like this is Hook, like this is what this is what defines Hook and makes it unique and separates it right. from other movies. But that jazz music that's playing over like the baseball sequence at the beginning and oh, I like, know exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Where, yes. where, where, where Robin Williams <laughs> is like missing the baseball game and it's like this. It's it does not fit the the emotion. It's like from Parenthood or something. Yeah, it's totally yeah, it, it an eighties kind up. of a yeah. yeah. It doesn't match up with like the 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 emotions that you're supposed to be feeling as an audience in that moment. I thought it just didn't compliment, uh, compliment the, 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 the image of, of what was going on and the, <laughs> what was happening on screen. Other than that, the score is brilliant. I love his scores. Did you, I don't know if it, when you were like, like looking back on this, I mean, I did a bit of research. Apparently, so th- it had like a whole storied history. One of the incarnations was it began as a musical that John Williams was writing, had like 10 songs for this to be made. Yeah. Wow. And and um I guess there's still like the song in the in the film when the daughter sings that was actually nominated for an Oscar kind of weirdly oh, wow. enough. Um yeah and I mean it, it also I mean I don't even the, the the version of this film that starred Michael Jackson I don't necessarily think would have, have held up as well but there was a version of this film <laughs> apparently Michael Jackson wanted to play Peter Pan. Whoa. Um yeah, I know. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about oh, all the cameos in the movie? Did the cameos scratch. take you? Um, did, do you, cameos, you know what I'm talking? Like Phil Collins? Oh yeah, like, like Glenn Close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that, I like, swear, work I, I love, I love it. I love it. I love uh, noticing uh, Glenn Close in that that role as like the prisoner who gets. I'm oh, sorry, not not the. I'm sorry, the pirate who gets tortured and the, the, and the like, boo box. Yeah, yeah, the boo box is <laughs> so good. I love seeing, like, just knowing that it's her. It's, like, such a great thing. I feel like I saw I saw some other cameos in there that I didn't fully, like, recognize because they were, like, split-second moments. But was, like, Stephen Stills in there maybe or something like that? I swear what? I thought I saw, I or maybe possibly. David Crosby. David Crosby's definitely in there. 
That's who it was. Yes. That's who I saw. I was like, I, I was rewatching it. I was like, is that David Crosby? And I thought <laughs> it was him. I need someone to validate that. But, Here's uh, one that, that I didn't know about until I was rereading. I think they discovered this only in recent years. So do you remember like when Tinkerbell's taking him to Neverland in like the fir- end of the first act, essentially, and they're flying and she like sprinkles some pixie dust and there's a couple that floats into the air and they, they're like kissing. Oh, yeah. I love that. Do, yeah. do you know who the couple is? I no did not idea. know this. This is, no is going to blow your mind. George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> I love that. That's a great, that's a great bit of, uh, you know, trivia right there. It's crazy. Um, also, okay. A couple other things that jump out at me. Um, so Maggie Smith, I think is great in this, I love uh, as, as Wendy, the, I, the thing that, that strikes me is, I don't know about you. I feel like she's been that that age for thirty years. I think because she was she was she was fifty six when she played that role. She I didn't realize at the time she no was playing way. much. Yeah, she was playing much older. Wait, no, she was fifty six playing that role. Yeah, I mean, That's if she incredible. was eighty, then she would be one hundred and ten now. So like she, <laughs> she, That's she was incredible. I know. I had no idea. I did not do the math here. Yeah, how is it <laughs> that? How did that happen? That's so crazy. She does. She did a brilliant job, though. She did. Um, I really believed her. And there's that one beautiful moment where it gets really intimate between, um, you know, uh, yes. between her and, and Robin Williams. And it's just like, it's kind of hot. Okay. So I was going to bring this up under, under, under my controversial questions section. Yeah. You br- yeah. You, so here's my question. In that moment, there are a couple moments in the film. Mm-hmm. Did Wendy and Peter have a intimate relationship? Seemed like it. <laughs> right? Sure as hell seemed like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. They did have a thing. They had a thing. Well, she kind of explained it, right? Like, they had, like, a thing. We don't know how far it went. But right. she left. He didn't come. She got older. He right. came back. He was still a kid and fell in love with her daughter. Right. right. Yikes. Or, uh, that's, I guess, that's dramatic. Like, I guess grand, granddaughter, yeah. Or granddaughter. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. 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 Wow. Right, right. And, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, in and the she's flashback. she's still trying to get that. She's still trying to get that. <laughs> She knows it's her granddaughters, and she's sitting in there on that bed with Robin Williams leaning in close, still trying to do it. I wow. know. It's, a, it's an awkward yet very uh, sweet scene. <laughs> yeah, but they're not really related. You know, it's not really his grandma, so it's like <laughs> and, they can always and lean And ages on are all kind of fucked up here. We already know she's only 56. We know he's kind of ageless. It, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, Gwyneth played uh, Wendy in the flashback. Gwyneth Paltrow, I think it's just her second film. Um, I didn't know that's, that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, didn't know. The, <laughs> I should oh, have dude. done my research. No, no, it's okay. Or I know. I thought, yeah. Well, maybe it's better <laughs> that I didn't because this is all new. No, yeah, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow is, is uh, very. Next time you see it, you'll you won't, you'll be like, well, "How did I miss that?" Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a cameo at the time. She obviously didn't have a career yet, but it's kind of crazy to look back at now. Yeah. Um, really interesting. I'm, so, I'm amazed uh, by the visual effects in the film, though. I think they're just brilliant. Um, so yeah, well, yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, so I think here's my, my okay my take as we get into kind of like the ups and downs for me. I agree with you. I think the first act of the film is awesome. Is like mm-hmm. pitch perfect. Maybe outside of that that music you were talking about, but Neverland. So w- once they get to Neverland, I think we start to hit some bumps in the road, and I don't know. Like, just, so. Tell me, generally speaking, you you like the visual, like interpretation of, of of Neverland, this gaudy kind of giant set that he created. It works for you. Yeah, I just think it's fun. It's fun. I I, I think that there's um, um, 
almost like an agreement with the audience, uh, you know, in the beginning of the film that you just have to let certain things go and suspend. I, I just like, like move like, like, like your, you know, uh, your, you know, critiques and your critical, you know, <laughs> thinking out of the yes. way, just like enjoy it for what it is uh, emotionally. Um, otherwise, I mean, you know, I, it'd be hard to to buy this this story at this world. But um, yeah, the sets alone, yeah, they're they're pretty. I mean, I, I don't think the I don't think the goal was was to feel was for it to feel natural. No, it's it not grounded or whatever. It's, it's yeah, no, yeah, no, no. But I love that about it. You know, I think it it's so charming. It's funny Spielberg. Um, and, so Sp- Spielberg says that you know, he's. He's not a fan of this movie. He said he's said yeah. in interviews repeatedly that he himself is very critical about it. And the part that he talks about is – and th- I kind of disagree with him here. He says that if he were doing it today, he would do Neverland with CGI sets. He would create it virtually like on a green screen. Mm. Mm. That's I interesting. don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. He'd do it interesting. Virtually green – I don't think that – I don't like that either. To be honest, I don't like the idea of that. I like the idea of, of I mean, look, this version of it, this, yeah, um, you know, this one that feels like a, like a big set, because um, it is, it feels like it's on a soundstage. It doesn't feel like a, like the, like the atmospheres don't feel real. Right. Um, it works for the movie. I guess if there was a way of doing it uh, in a more natural uh, feeling way, you'd want to be on, yeah, you know, you want to be on on location somewhere. Right, 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 right. It's I, mean, I guess they just did that, didn't they? Just do. I didn't. I didn't see the movie. I mean, they didn't do this story, but they did a version, like a really grounded, realistic version of like uh, Peter Pan that just came out recently. Oh, you're talking right? about the recent ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. They keep trying, and, and they've all had ups and downs and things I like in them. But it's it's been for whatever reason, despite it being such like a timeless story, it's been one that's been tough to crack for some really exceptional filmmakers. You know, Joe Wright. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one to make. I mean, I it's a tough one to to buy into as an audience. I mean, you really right. do need um you, I mean it's this it's this heightened world. You need to just like, you know, Check your, um, yeah. you know, cynicism, cynicism like at the door, door. right? Yeah, and totally. Just, like enjoy it for what it is. So, I mean, I just really connect with, with the, uh, with the, with, with the family's relationship, and I think that those are really the highlight moments, um, you know, throughout the film is when they get back to, uh, you know, the, the father daughter father son, yep. um, uh, plight at the center of the film, and it feels. Um, uh, truthful. It feels honest. It feels yeah. like they found uh, the writers. Uh, I don't even know if, if you know who who wrote it exactly, but uh, I feel like the team found uh, a way to bring their truth to this story, and totally. and it just resonates. Like there's this one scene in the first act when Robin Williams um, is on a business phone call, yep. and, and his kids are annoying him, and this is beautifully executed shot with the with the with the, where uh where his son uh brings a, a lamp into the frame and starts uh yes. making shadow puppets on the wall of like himself as like this big monster growing bigger and bigger as like a shadow um and 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 Robin Williams is uh uh, you know, character he 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 you know has like a breakdown, starts yelling at his kids. Yeah. 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 That just really resonated with me. I just remember being like stunned watching it and um 
it was a very emotional moment and just oh, totally. hit like a really a real chord between you know uh you know kids and their parents and yeah um you know those things just are are timeless and will resonate with um with audiences forever you know so i just think it's a great movie it's just it feels like they're touching with with you know touching some kind of like truth yep and um that uh I, my myself as a kid who like loved this movie was not you know you know invalid that wasn't, for like loving it you know because there's a lot yeah. of other films that i've loved when i was a kid that i watch now and think uh i i what was what was i thinking i mean you know like right, i, I right. guess you know i was a kid i wasn't thinking this movie's just terrible <laughs> um but hook holds up hook is great it's funny to think because like spielberg definitely like has his themes that keep coming back throughout his work and i you even look at like the movie like he made last crusade to like i think two years before this which in some ways is very much another father-son story <laughs> so mm-hmm. he like he puts a different you know wrapping paper around it but the core themes often uh recur um yeah i mean yeah you know he really um highlights the like emotional want for his characters yeah um, Did you... and makes that like what the film is about he really highlights it and tries to put it in the center of stage you know which is great have you ever seen um the teaser trailer for hook no, no, I haven't. Okay, so after this, I recommend you to checking it out. I don't know if you're a fan of trailers like I am, but um, I am. Yeah, I'm a big uh, fan. I never thought about checking out the teaser trailer. I'll check it out. Well, I mean, I you know, I'm a bit older than you, so I remember literally when this trailer hit in theaters, and I went mm-hmm. when I went back the other day, uh, it really hit me all over again. It's this without whatever. I mean, it's not ruining anything, but it's 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 back when like a teaser trailer was truly a teaser trailer. There's literally nothing in the from the film in there. It's just kind of panning over a, a map of Neverland and. Uh, the the soaring the good john williams theme is in there and it just it's just fantastic oh Um, man they didn't actually i was reading up they didn't use neverland at all in the marketing for the film like they you in all of the trailers you only see stuff like in london which i think is awesome yeah interesting that's really interesting would never happen today no 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 probably not i wonder why that's really fascinating well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it has to do with, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but in this, Maybe in this visual culture. effects weren't, you know, finished yet and they couldn't right. use some of the frames or something like that. So they had to use what they had. Or the, I wonder um, if, if like Spielberg, I mean, it sounds like from all accounts, Spielberg was like not confident in what he had done, especially in the Neverland stuff. And I wonder if that was a way of him like holding back what he was worried and, and his heart of hearts wasn't going to work. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I feel like he was also. Like uh, a few years away from using uh, CGI for the first right. time, because uh, I mean, I'm not sure what year this was exactly. Was this 90 or 91? So this is 91, and you're, you're absolutely right because Jurassic is 93. Jurassic, yeah, yeah, Jurassic's 93. So and that was the breakthrough. Yeah, and it was right then when he when when and that was like the first movie to use like CGI, or like one of the first films to use CGI or like mixed medium totally. where they had uh you know cgi and uh and the animatronics and things like that but uh i feel like yeah maybe that added to the frustration or it's like ah this technology was right around the corner and i could have done it (laughs) right 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 so let me give you a couple of uh uh kind of like comfort movie questionnaires related to this film the best performance in this film the award would go to according to you me i would say I'm going to go with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Um, I just loved his performance in this. 
and I and I think that it deserves more praise because pe- I think people hated it. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken from what I've heard and what I've read about, right. people did not like seeing Dustin Hoffman in this role. They were put off by it. It was just and too much. Too, and yeah. I think that was the reason why, uh, a, a big reason why it was so, uh, like, it, critically, like, underwhelming was that right. people did not like his his casting. And I just think, I thought he was brilliant in this movie and, and loved, loved him in this role. You've mentioned Love. a few scenes. Do you, do you give an award for best scene in this film? What's the uh, what's the one that jumps out to you? Mm, best scene in this movie. I think the best scene in I think the best scene in this movie might be the food fight scene. Okay. I just love it. I just thought it was great. It's just magic. <laughs> I think in terms of a visceral love for that scene, where it just it it excites me the same way that it like it, it excited me when I was a kid. Still. Uh, and the fact that it has that effect on me just made me think of it first. Nice. Have you ever dressed up as a character from this film for Halloween or a party? No, I have not. <laughs> Unfortunately not. But I was, wa- you know, watching it again the other day, and there's this great um, outfit uh, when <laughs> when Robin Williams is trying to disguise himself as a pirate Right, the first uh, scene when he's in Neverland. Yeah, yeah. The first scene when he grabs like you know a hat and a eye up and an eye patch and a, and a, and like a little cape or and it's just uh, a great and a cane and he starts walking with more with 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 like a limp. Right, uh, I think that's probably <laughs> my next Halloween costume for sure. Should this movie ever be remade? Should this? No, I don't. I don't think so. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I, I I tend to lean towards not wanting to remake films that are really like right good yeah um, remake uh, the ones that maybe were you know sixty percent of the way there that you can improve upon but not oh the ones God, that are already perfect and I just know I mean it's horrible what they did which I mean like Jumanji movies are fun and all like I have, I've seen the new ones it's cool right. but for me like as a fan of the first one it just it it hurts to see these new Jumanji films. They're and different. They're just, just a different thing. Yeah. It's they're just, just way different, but it hurts still because <laughs> of how um, much I love, uh, you know, the original Jumanji um, adaptation. But sure. uh, Robin Williams is just, you know, he's one of he's he's the greatest actor ever. And he 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 what he does um, in each one of his films is 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 so uh precious and great i just don't think anybody should ever fuck with his movies <laughs> we Never. haven't even met we haven't even mentioned rufio in this entire conversation i feel like we need to yeah. like give a, a little shout out to rufio Rufio's awesome rufio is just as cool as he's always <laughs> been and just as talked about it as, he, as he's always been you know everyone always loves rufio when they talk about this movie yeah. um and and rightfully so he's an awesome character all right, last two for you. Uh, if you could play any role in the film in your heart of hearts, not to say it's a remake, but you're transporting back in time. What's the what's the role that you wish you had a crack at from this film? Oh, Smee, Smee <laughs> for sure. Oh, I would love to. I think that'd be so much fun. I you just want to work with role. Dustin. You just want to get in there with him. I do, I do. But I also just love that role. I just think he's um, he's so much fun in the movie, and it'll probably be it'd probably be the most fun to play that character. 
Yeah. I think yeah. out of all of them. I mean, I think, you know, as an actor, you look at it and you're just like, oh, this would be a great time. You know, totally. getting to, you know, with, with all the sequences in the movie that, that, that Smee's in, they're just like super, um, super fun moments. So um, I want to mention before we end this, that this film uh, thankfully is thanks to all these crazy streaming services. Now it's, you can purchase it on Amazon prime and iTunes. It's on Netflix for free. Uh, if you subscribe to Netflix, um, I would, what I like to do at the end of these is also like kind of book together like a double feature potentially for audiences. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought about this. So I had a couple ideas of potential films that, that, that resonate a little bit with some of the themes we've been talking about. If you have any ideas, feel free. If not, no, no, oh, no worries. Oh, but, um, I want one here. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I thought of big from that time, which is another film about kind of arrested development and dealing with the, you know, like the transition from kid to adult. And that is similarly one that just works as kind of a perfect movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Goonies, I think, I think of in this Incredible. era when you mm-hmm. think of uh, great, I mean, you know, great child performances and capturing sort of what it's legitimately like to be a kid and to have friends and to kind of like horse around and do crazy shit. Um, the Goonies just still works. Uh, those would be my mm-hmm. top two. Yeah. I would say uh, The Professional. The Professional? Le- Leon? Luke Besson's yeah. The Professional? Wait, wait yeah. tell me, tell me that- why. Well, I think I think there's interesting uh, parallels and things about uh, children needing parents. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. needing needing a father figure, wanting a father figure. Although that one's a little bit more uh, questionable in terms right. of a father figure, or like romantic, <laughs> weird shit in there. There is weird but shit. But I, th- a great I movie. think this this yearning for your parents and. Um, you know, uh, the, the father daughter relationship there and this kind yeah. of like simple, um, childlike, you know, hitman. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's probably a lot of, uh, interesting parallels between the, the two movies and their differences would make it, um, uh, a good double feature, you know, between. I like it. I like it. I, I don't need much of it. I don't need much of an excuse to watch The Professional again, but you've given me one. So I appreciate it. I mean, Gary Oldman in The Professional, perfection. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Um, So so I won't take up any more of your time except to say, uh, you know, we should also mention, hey, people should also watch Hunters, which was awesome. I watched the whole season with you and Al. Just killing it. Amazing. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. What's uh, what's the – do we know the future of Hunters? Do we know if a second season is being planned or what the story might be? Nobody knows the future of anything, right? That's now. true. Fair it's enough. Such yeah. Crazy times. I mean, the truth is, um, and this is with every industry in the world right now, pretty much, it's all shut down. And there's so much uncertainty for every production and every project. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people, hopefully, a lot of people saw and liked the show, and we can do it again, and that would be great. But, at this moment, I think everyone's just living day by day, yeah. uh, trying to stay safe, stay inside, uh, stay away from people, wash their hands, and uh, get through this, um, get through, you know, this pandemic. And then hopefully we can, you know, uh, have conversations again about making a season two and, and uh, for hunters and those things. But I think everyone's just focused on what's happening right now so it's also a good time to maybe just mention if you guys can if you guys have a little bit of money uh you know stashed away somewhere maybe think about giving it to some uh you know good organizations out there you know 
just to name a few, there's Central Kitchen, there's Feeding America, you know, uh, there's CARE, which is, uh, you know, a partner of the CDC. Um, uh, it's definitely a good one. So if you guys can, you know, please give to Absolutely. those who need it right now yeah. and uh, enjoy watching Hook uh, at home and and maybe Hunters if you guys haven't seen it. <laughs> it is a nice balance of, right, like kind of uh, escaping and forgetting about sort of the troubles outside, but also, as you said, we're, we're all in this together and we're very grateful for the, the healthcare workers and the people that are on the front lines that are really trying to to take care of us. It's, uh, it's crazy out there. I, you know, we're all praying that this, uh, you know, we get past this relatively soon. And, uh, and I certainly hope that we get a chance to, to see each other again in person soon. Cause it's always better that way. Um, thanks. Logan. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. And so ends another edition of happy, sad, confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh.